welcome back to another podcast. Um, this is the fourth episode in the Type 1 Al With series. This morning I was lucky enough to be joined by Stephen Dixon, an anchor on the Sky News at Breakfast show, which airs every Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Stephen chats to me about his journalism career, which has allowed him to interview everyone from politicians to pop stars to opera singers to entrepreneurs. We also discuss his get on with it attitude towards his diabetes and how diabetes should not be something you fight, but rather a friend that you learn to live with as best as possible. Despite his presence on the national television, Stephen was one of the most down to earth and warm people I've ever had the chance to interview, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, perfect. Stephen, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Good to be here. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm good, thanks. Early start this morning, but I'm uh, I'm getting there. What yeah. time is it now? It's gone at 11 o'clock and I'm just sort of winding down. I was going to say, so obviously with, with, with your career, and, and, and which we'll get on to very shortly, um, I assume early starts is kind of the name of the game at the minute. Uh, yeah, it is for me. Uh, my alarm sort of normally, normally goes off about three o'clock in the morning, which wow. is... Um, Always a bit, I mean, you never get used to it. You never, ever get used to it. Yeah. <laughs> but you do finish things. it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a strange one. I, I swam competitively for quite, quite a few years, and certainly that um, my alarm was sort of set for half four, ready to be in the pool at 5.15. And, and it's just, oh. I did that for maybe, well, over 10 years. And it, yeah, I completely agree. You never quite get used to it. It's still a horrible feeling when it goes off. So <laughs> I can relate it a is. little bit. Um, so it, obviously we, we briefly mentioned there your career, but in terms of in terms of your background, obviously um, you're now uh, one of the anchors on the Sky News at Breakfast show, um, which I believe is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, and and just how, how how did that whole journey begin? So how did your career in journalism begin? Oh, and, and well, I, had to today? I had a passion for technology, right. basically. So my, my, my career is based around technology, <laughs> okay. if I'm honest. As a kid, I just loved the buttons and anything with lights and buttons and beeping. And, and so I got into hospital radio uh, when I was 16, just to be able to sort of press buttons and do stuff. Um, and then I did, I, did, uh, I did a degree in broadcast journalism, which was the further degree of its kind. I was on the first ever year that it ran. Um, and not that I particularly wanted to be a journalist. I just wanted to sort of be doing something vaguely broadcasty. Um, you know, I didn't really have a lot of direction at that age. Mm. Um, and so I got into that and fell in love with journalism doing the job because it's, it's I mean, more, more than it is on television, when you're sort of doing that side of things and a lot of radio work, you know, you are having to be very hands-on with the tech. Um, and so it, it was a beautiful mix for me in a way of journalism and technology at the time. Um, and so I, I worked during my degree, I worked at the local radio station and then can, kept working there afterwards when I graduated. And then from there, went to ITN as a producer for um, something called the uh, World News, which was <laughs> this sort of thing that doesn't exist anymore in the sort of early days of satellite channels on NBC Super Channel, I think it was. <laughs> um, so worked from there and then Channel 3, which is ITV, and then Channel 5, which ITN made the news for, 
1997 when that launched um, and then sort of went from there to Sky in 2000 and I've been there ever since. So it's it's been a, I've never had a career plan and I've just sort of seen where the tide takes me. Mm. Um, but I've gone, you know, I've gone from being, you know, radio reporter to a television producer um, and eventually just sort of easing my way in front of a camera as often as possible. <laughs> Yeah, because obviously um, before before we jumped on the podcast, I had a look through and and um, saw kind of where your career had taken you. Um, and you know, one of one of the strange things when I was researching you, the it popped up that um, you know you were one of the first news readers to report on <clears throat> the London two thousand and five bombings, and 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 as as a journalist, and I guess latterly as a news reader, is is it. Is it difficult to remain composed, I suppose, when either particularly, you know, emotive or exciting stories appear? So is it, I presume at times, although it's, it must be an absolutely fascinating profession, it, there are times when it's incredibly difficult. Not often, to okay. be fair, because I, th- I think, for it, I think it's a bit, I always compare it to being a nurse. I mean, I know nurses have got a much harder job, but, you know, <laughs> you know nurses have a lot of gallows humour. Yeah, um, and things because it's how you survive in the job, and I've got I've got relatives who, who are nurse, who work in nursing, and, and you know it's it's just how you survive in the job, and that's fine. Um, and with news, it's the same. You know, you you often absorb news when you come off air, the the reality of the news rather than it being a story which you're working on, which mm. gives it a slightly different edge. If you took everything on board at the time you'd you'd be a complete wreck after after half an hour yeah um so so that there is that sort of uh distance which is sort of built into what we do uh something like the london bombing um is different mm-hmm. that's just different because it's so big and so close to home and you know it it, it affects you in a totally different way um so that yeah. was Whereas normally with a big breaking story, you can you could almost quite enjoy it, and that's despite the human tragedy, you appreciate the human tragedy afterwards. Yeah. If you know what I mean, it sounds very callous, but it's just how you have to be to to get through the job. Um, but with the London bombings, it was um, it was different because it was just so full on and so close to home. So that actually was an, it was awful awful day mm. um and i on i only covered sort of the first hour of it it happens like toward in the last hour of my breakfast show mm. um so i only had to really deal with an hour of it but it was um was horrific yeah and i i imagine you know on, on the flip side of that the the sort of two ends to the spectrum where um there are stories you know like the london bombings where you know understandably tug on the heartstrings but also presumably there's there has been a, a huge number of times where you've had the the opportunity to perhaps interview people or, or speak to people that you're personally incredibly fond of or excited to meet I guess that's the the flip side and the a, a real bonus to the profession that you're in yeah yeah that's true um and it can be quite exciting it's um I mean you sort of think of celebrities really it celebrity is a very funny thing though I always think because you can um it's very subjective you know I've interviewed people and not known who they are um and then I tell my niece I've talked to them and she's sort of beside herself (laughs) it's um but so it it often boils down to people that you've admired for a long time and for me like Sir Patrick Moore when I got to talk to him it was really quite something and 
um, people that were in the charts when I was a teenager. Mm. You know, that's that sort of thing. It's 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 almost when there's a bit of an innocence to it that yeah. that, it, that it becomes really nice. You know, um, I had Catherine Jenkins on last week and had a bit of a sing song with her on, <laughs> on air. You know, which is um, stuff like that, which is just silly, but it but it is nice to do. So there are there are lots of parts of the show where you can. Uh, you can raise a smile. Yeah, and I and I suppose, you know, being in the position you're in, where you, the the possibility of the you know the, the huge range of topics that you might be covering and the people that you might be meeting, um, and especially at the moment where there seems to just be so many you know huge things going on from coronavirus to Brexit to you know from terrorism to presumably at times you know you mentioned it earlier in terms of distancing yourself but it must be incredibly difficult to remain up to date and aware of what's going on but also allow your time yourself time to completely switch off from everything yeah it's a bit it's it's a bit weird really because you well, i think people do it in different ways and my colleagues do it in different ways but i'm not one of those people who sits down every day and watches several hours of news and mm. scours every newspaper and <laughs> I've got yeah. colleagues who do that. I don't know how they do it, uh, but I'm always on top of the news, right? Um, just catching a bit here and a bit there, and a bit and digging into what I need to dig in, so that it's like you're constantly absorbing it, um, mm -hmm. which which is fine. That works for me. Um, so I'm all, I'm always across what is going on. Um, when you do have a holiday, I mean, when I have a holiday, that is it. It all goes off. There is no news, no nothing, no. Mm. And that means when you do come back, even if it's only a week off, <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely, it's absolutely terrifying because you think, I don't know what the hell's going on. Mm. I've not got a clue what's going on. And sometimes it's, um, it's like I was away when um, awfully awful situation with Madeline McCann disappeared, right. And as a result of that. I have never felt properly across that story. Yeah. And because I, I sort of because I because I missed the beginning. I was away for about three weeks, I think. So I missed a really big chunk of it all. Mm. And and so even now, all these years later, when we talk about it, I never feel properly grounded in that story. I suppose in such a fast developing story like that as well, where, you know, it was information after information after information and day by day things were changing. I imagine stories like that, if you miss the start, it's quite difficult to catch up no matter how much time you give yourself. Yeah, because a lot of it is it's contextual as well. Mm. A lot of it, it's, um, and it's understanding, because it's not just it's not just what's happened, it's understanding what's happened within a context, which then helps you, you know, develop interviews and all yeah. that sort of thing, which is, um, so, so yeah, when, when you miss out on something, you really, you really miss out on it. But I, I can't be one of those people who goes on holiday and just keeps having a little dab into the news. I just like, I need to switch my brain off totally. Yeah, a clean, clean wipe when you're away. No, I think that. Oh yeah, I think yeah. that makes sense. Um, so I guess you know, as I, as I hinted at, and certainly at the start, um, and and like all guests who feature on this podcast, obviously you have type one diabetes. Um, I believe you're diagnosed at 17. Um, yeah. And, it, and it's something I've spoken with, you know, a few times with people about the age at which they're diagnosed and and sort of, um, you know how how that how that plays out I was diagnosed quite young um, so I kind of knew no different whereas I think when you're diagnosed 17 18 19 you've kind of got your life 
in track in a certain way so it's quite mm. difficult sometimes to then change it and or, or bring in you know all these all these different things you have to do as a diabetic um but how, how did that play out for you because i presume you were still kind of getting to grips with type 1 diabetes whilst whilst beginning your journalism career i suppose yeah yeah um to be honest it it sounds really blasé but i was all i was all right with it i think the mm. big thing for me was I, I never got to the point i didn't go dka i wasn't hospitalized or anything yeah. but i just was i lost i think i lost about three stone in a week or 10 days or something it just suddenly dropped off me mm. and i was and and for several months before that i'd been getting very very thirsty and going to the toilet and so it, it built up for a while um and so for me, it was just the, I just felt absolute sheer relief that I could stop being thirsty. Mm. That was, that was the big thing. I could stop being thirsty. Um, and so I was just relieved to begin with. Um, that, that is my overriding sort of feeling as I, as I look back on it. The, the only real frustration I had I think was that I'd not long passed my driving test and I had my license taken off, which was very annoying. Um, <laughs> but apart, apart from that, I think I was quite determined. To, I, I wasn't one of those who rebelled against it. Mm. I didn't try and pretend I didn't have it. Um, I, I just sort of took it on the chin and tried to, tried to work with it as best as I could. I mean, looking back now, I mean, hell you wonder how you stayed alive half the time and especially when I went to university sort of six months later and mm. or yeah well six months seven months later you think oh what was I doing you just sort of <laughs> don't know what you're doing at the beginning of it all yeah. but um but I was determined just to keep going and carry on I mean they wanted me to the college my sixth form college wanted me to sort of drop out and to have a year off or mm. best part of a year off and resit my second year and and uh, which I just I just refused to do it I just didn't want to go down that path I wasn't going to sort of let it stop me from doing anything um mm. but I but I didn't deny I had it which was I think a, a big help because I, I know people a lot of people do struggle with that yeah. so I didn't so I wasn't a rebellious teenager with my type one um I just muddled on through and was determined to keep drinking. That was my, mm. that was my other overriding concern. I can still drink lager, can't I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> but I think, I think it's quite, I think it sometimes is quite refreshing. You know, it is, um, I think especially people who aren't diabetic looking in, it's sometimes viewed as this hugely traumatic event that, you know, is life changing. I think, for a lot of people, you know, it will resonate with with quite a lot of diabetics that, um, you know, okay, I'm diabetic now, but I can still do this, I can still do this, and and you know, and just figuring out a way to kind of carry on with it. Um, I don't always think it's this hugely um, devastating event that happens, but I suppose no, and you know what, I, it's the negative. There is a lot of negativity. I mean, it goes with a lot of parts of life, but mm -hmm. you, you're quite right. The negativity on diagnosis, and um, but also I, I, well, it's ever since then really. There's always been a lot of negativity around hypos and and being. You, know, you used to get stuff through the post saying, you know, are you scared of having a hypo? And I was like, no, I'm not scared of having a hypo. It means I can have a few chocolate bars. I mean, it was, you know, it was like, I always thought, why did they try to make people so scared of going hypo? Yeah. 
mm. rather than just teaching them how to deal with it. Um, so I'm, I'm all for looking at the positive when it comes to these sort of things. Yeah. And, and I guess, you know, I, has that sort of translate, has sort of transitioned into your career as well? So I presume, you know, diabetes has had a very minor impact on your career, but as we know, hypos, high blood sugar can, can often happen very quickly and, and without warning. Um, so I, I presume even a small part of you must have given it a thought perhaps when you, when, when you're about to go on air or when you're interviewing a guest, or is it just another thing, um, just another thing to sort of be ready for and, 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 and add to the, to the list of things you need to prepare for? Yeah, I think, uh, the, you know, the, the latter really, I mean, I tend to think now, I mean, I'm on Freestyle Libre and so, you know, it's, it's very, very easy to check my bloods and I used to check them less often when I was doing finger pricks. Um, but even so, even even when it was finger pricking, you know, checked during the show and what have you. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you how many times on air I've been going hypo. Mm. Of it. I mean, over, you know, I've been at Sky 20 years. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. I must have gone hypo hundreds of times on air. Yeah. Um, and you just, you know, you. my floor managers have got a stash of chocolate in a little envelope waiting for me. And so you just get on with it. Yeah. You know, you get on with it. So although it, I mean, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that you never forget you've got type one and you always have to be very conscious of it. But no, it has, you're quite right. It has had a minimal impact on my career, hmm. really. You know, it's not a it's not a predominant thought. I mean, more than going hypo, it's when you wake up in the morning at three o'clock and your bloods are sort of 13 or 14 and you feel like death warmed up. <laughs> um, and you've got to try and get it down and feel a bit normal again. That I mean, that's the bigger concern because you end up going on air feeling you know, positively ill. Mm. But... Um, but you know, it's it's part of what we have to deal with as as tight ones, and and again, I just think you have to take it on the chin. I mean, you just yeah. you just get you just get on with it. I mean, I am quite a believer in just getting on with it, yeah. rather than being one of these ones who would ring up and say, oh, "I can't come in today, my blood sugars are a little bit high," or yeah. <laughs> whatever. You just gotta get on with it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I completely agree. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the whether you've gone outrageously high or, or or you've had a few bad hypos in the night it is wake, it is sort of like waking up with a horrendous hangover so um <laughs> it's, yeah you do feel like you've been hit by a bus so no i can't imagine sort of getting ready to, to go on national television i'm not sure i'd be <laughs> not sure i'd be able to but i guess um you know when when we're talking about diabetes and sort of um just to very much sort of just get on with it attitude. Um, I guess the only time for me, certainly that, that, that changed or that changed very quickly was, was at the start of this year. And obviously, um, you know, we find ourselves in a very strange world at the moment and in many ways, um, diabetics in particular, because we've almost been grouped with, with, with countless other people that are perhaps at higher risk or we're not sure, Mm. but, um, you know, that, that information certainly been, been, across um and i guess at a time when you know people are perhaps looking to new stations such as sky for not only information but reassurance that might was that difficult at all given you were presumably anxious about how covid was going to impact you personally as well well well, that's a very interesting question actually i mean reassurance i don't know um I mean, I don't know if anyone's in a position to give reassurance at the moment. <laughs> it is, um, but I mean, I worked from home for six months this year, so they 
they um, when lockdown kicked in, um, they got some kit to me, so yeah. I could do my show from home. Um, and so that you know, that purely because I was type one, you know, mm. I was working from home, didn't want to go into work. Well, you know, the advice was not to go into work, um, and so was was sort of uh, isolated for six months doing that. And and so I, I suppose you you set a bit of an example of saying, well, I'm on, you know, I'm, I've got some restrictions, but I'm getting on with work and mm. and, and doing the, you know, doing doing what I can. But it, I suppose it is the first time I've ever felt vulnerable, in a way, you know, in particular. Mm. Um, though not, I mean, I wasn't thinking if I caught COVID, it was going to kill me particularly. Um, but obviously, you're aware that you know you, you might have a worse outcome than someone else my age who wasn't diabetic. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean, it's been it has been a little bit strange like that. I mean, I just think you have to. In I mean, I, I don't know that I overprocessed it, as in, in in the way I was thinking about it. But you are sort of aware that you have to set an example as well, and try and sort of stay positive and. You know, I was getting out and doing my daily exercise and you know, all the things we're meant to do, getting my shopping <laughs> delivered online. And, yeah. Um, and and so you do just try to set an example and then, you know, rocking up for, for work. I mean, it's quite nice to present the show from your dining room, to be fair. Um, <laughs> and set that alarm slightly later, I imagine. Set the alarm later. I don't have to drive for 80 miles to get yeah. to work. You know, it's all... Um, so, you know, so it's um, it had its benefits in some respects. But I do just think you... Um, you know, setting an example is sort of part of, I think, what you have to do when you're you're type one with with a you know a bit of a profile. Mm. I think we have a responsibility to do that, and and just to show we you know that we again we're getting on with it in the best way that we can. Mm. And and how has that? I, I presume that you know um, that that sort of transition from being in a studio to home was slightly strange, as you say. But how has it been? the reverse so how has it been moving back from from home going back into the studio has it sort of been um a, a nice relief or 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 how has that movement been it's been odd really because um i was they wanted to get me back in october uh, in august i beg your pardon um which was only because it's only because people were going on holiday and they wanted to get cover in <laughs> they wanted to cover other people's shifts yeah, uh, and I and I, I refused at that point because lockdown had ended at the end of July, and I thought if there's going to be a spike, we're going to see it in August. Mm. Um, so I so I went back in well the very the last week of August I went back, um, so I was a, a little bit apprehensive, just about mixing with people again. To be fair, Sky have been very very um, strict on the whole COVID thing. The setup uh, at work is. And, and where we are in, in what we call the glass box studio is sort of very isolated and there's, you know, no mingling. And, and so it's in, in that sense, it is what you would call COVID secure. Mm. Um, but I, I was dreading it, to be fair. But the reality is, once I got back into it, it's been great because you, you get more, you do get more of a structure and more of a routine. Yeah. Um, working from home, the technology was, did get a bit problematic towards the end um and so you, you spent half your time dealing with techie stuff with just with you know iphones overheating and all just the way yeah. the rig was set up there was mm. stuff overheating and all the time all this going stuff going wrong quite a lot towards the end so it was it what it's turned out to be quite nice to be back 
mm. to be honest. But it, it yeah. was it was a bit of a transition. It was a bit of a transition. No, I can imagine, and I, I, you know, it's it's. I guess it's amazing that that the news and and certainly that that sort of setup could be done in in your living room, um, and that and that it could keep going. But I can imagine it's it's it is an entirely different experience sort of being there in the mm. studio, and and also I guess a, a some sort of return to. I guess some sort of normality for you um, must have been quite nice. Yeah, um, it, it, it was, and, and and it's been quite stress-free in that things like um, you know that stu- that studio, that particular studio, is in a totally different building to the newsroom, and with with the restrictions we've got on campus, um, you know, I'm I'm not allowed in the newsroom. The presenters aren't allowed even to go into the newsroom. Right. So you know, so there's quite a lot of isolation built in. Mm-hmm. that way so you know <laughs> it's been all right but there are quite a lot of people i haven't seen for nearly a year now. <laughs> yeah just waving through the window yeah um and i you know you briefly touched on it before but i i guess your presence on tv and and, and <clears throat> your career up to this point has 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 given you a platform um to, to some extent and i guess you know for me personally um i was always quite adamant that I didn't want to talk about diabetes um I very much got on with my life um and those closest to me knew about it um I think that was probably part partly to do with when I was competing in sport I was quite keen to just sort of be on a level playing field and and, and didn't want anyone to know about it um whereas now over the last sort of 12 months I've been really enjoying sort of getting into the community speaking to other people who are diabetic seeing what they're doing and how they're managing their condition and I guess for you as someone who does have a platform um how has that been for you so do you do do you sort of publicly talk about your diabetes quite often or is it just something that you're happy to talk about like today for example if if asked rather than sort of actively publicized yeah, I, I don't know that I actively publicise. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a preacher. Mm. Um, and, and I have to say, I'm one of those people, I do have a bit of a short fuse at times, and I, I find some of these people that I would class as professional diabetics <laughs> um, a bit irritating. Right. You know, it's all they bleat on about is being tight. Well, it's like, oh, for heaven's sake, we've got nothing else going on. <laughs> um, uh, but... There has, and I don't know, I don't know when it came about, but at some point, you know, I mentioned it on air. I don't, I know, I've, I've, I don't know when, and I don't know why. Um, but what I did get was quite a few letters um, from, I mean, mainly from parents. I seem to recall of, of type one children, and and just sort of having this, you know, or clearly finding it a bit reassuring to see someone on their telly who was type one. <laughs> I've never quite understood why particularly. Yeah. Um, but th- that did sh- strike a chord with me that um, that really I had a responsibility to, to sort of stand tall with it, if you know what I mean. Mm. So, I mean, I, I don't go on about it all the time, but I will bring it up when I think it's relevant. Yeah, uh, at work um, and on the breakfast show because of the format you, there's more of an opportunity to do that mm-hmm. um, so I, I will certainly talk about it very proudly uh, either on air or, or you know things like this or you know working with some pharma companies or what you know whatever it might be um, you know I'm very happy to be you know to be known as a type 1 diabetic um, 
and and I I do think there is there is a responsibility to sort of put yourself forward in that way. Mm. But I you know but I'm not a preacher. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not a preacher. I try to set a good example. I try to be good. I try to be someone who, you know, you can say, oh well, he's diabetic and he's doing all right, you yeah. know, sort of thing. Um, but but that's about as far as it goes. I you know and I I don't want to go around telling people what they should be doing or how they should be doing it. Mm. And I'm quite happy. I'm quite happy to stand up and say, well, this is what I do. You know, I mean, yeah. one thing because one thing we all know is that every single one of us is different and we all respond to things differently and we all handle things differently and our metabolisms all work differently and you know so so I'm quite happy to sort of hold myself up as (laughs) as an example and have people completely disagree with me that's absolutely fine and I think it's that fine balance between you know as, as you say people who um are sort of talking about being diabetic for the sake of talking about being diabetic and then you know people who who I have respect for who are diabetic but are also achieving great things outside of that it's not the fact they're diabetic it's more the fact that they're doing these things whilst also being diabetic and I think that's the important thing Um, yeah I mean I'm I'm not a diabetic and my name is Stephen no I'm Stephen and I'm a diabetic. Yeah. I mean, it is a, it's about getting the priorities right, I think. I mean, but, but one thing I always say is that, you know, it is a very big part of me. I mean, you know, it's, it's something I, I think about mm. 24-7, you know, because it's just part of, it's part of my, my being now. So um, I'm always very conscious that I, you know, I don't ignore it and I don't fight against it. You know, I... I've been <laughs> I've had a few raised eyebrows in the past where I've sort of said, "Well, I quite like being diabetic." Mm. Um, you know, I, it's I, I, it's my friend, not my enemy, because I think if you if you fight against your type one, you are going to lose. You know, you can't beat it. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we have to we have to work with it. You know, yeah. it's, that, that, that's my general attitude to it, really. Yeah, no, it's really interesting actually. I've, I've 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 never heard anyone describe it that way, but but it makes complete sense. And it is it is very much like having, you know, a secondary job that's twenty four seven. So it's um, yeah, it's yeah. certainly something that's always always there. Um, I guess the final question uh, and one that when I was speaking to people and saying that I was going to be um, talking with you this morning, um, and probably just a, a silly one, but. You know, in, as we talked about in, in your career, you've had the opportunity to speak to some amazing people um, and sh- and some that I'm sure are, are, were nicer than others or, or far more interesting <laughs> than others. Um, but if you were going to, if you could pick out one person that you've spoken to um, and or one interview that you've carried out that was your favourite so far, who would that be? And, and do you know why? It is, in all honesty, it is impossible to say. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I interview sort of five or six people a day when I'm working, um, and so it's it, it is impossible to pick one out as a mm. as a favourite or a most inspirational. Or mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I've been sort of moved talking to uh, an old lady who's you know surviving COVID or. I remember feeling very upset actually in one interview when I was talking to someone who'd lost his brother. Um, 
but then also there's a privilege of talking to people who run the country whether you know whether you support them or not is irrelevant mm-hmm. it's still a very privileged position to have um and then talking only on friday i was chatting to tim peak the astronaut yeah um and again you know for me because i'm a geek i'm a space geek um <laughs> that's a, an absolute personal thrill so you know all these these things come up all the time and it's and it's um and it's quite nice that i quite like the fact that i can't pick a favorite and that you know new favorites come along every week which yeah. is a really a really nice part of the job i think i think although although you you didn't give a name i think i, I don't think anyone could argue with that answer i think that's completely understandable <laughs> uh, well look stephen i won't take any more of your date but thank you very much for taking the time out to speak to me it's been really interesting and and i feel like i've learned a lot and it's and it, it is a really refreshing attitude to hear and um i wish you all the best well really good to talk to you ali thank you very much stephen <laughs>